Good evening, everyone. So tonight I'm going to be talking about joy, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians 5. And the fruits of the Spirit are these. I can point to that. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it seems that at the moment in this world, we don't see very many of these qualities, which as Christians, we should be ex- exhibiting to those around us. And these qualities all seem like something we should strive for. I mean, who wouldn't want to be loving, or as we'll talk about tonight, joyful? These fruits of the Spirit give us a strength of character um, and help transform us to become more and more like Jesus. Because as Jesus was full, um, completely full of the Holy Spirit, he exhibited all of these character traits. Um, so, if we look in the Bible, which is like the best place to start, where does joy come from? And if we look in the New Testament, the original Greek word for joy was kara, which is closely related to the words for gift and for rejoicing. So we can already see that joy and gifts are closely connected, because joy is the natural response to a gracious gift. And in every instance in the Bible, that gift originates with God. In Luke chapter 1 verse 14, it says, He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. This is talking about the Messiah and about the joy that will come from him. And then in Luke 10:17, um, there is joy about God's power over our sinful world because they returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And then joy is also there in Acts 13, verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And this is regarding God's salvation. And God's grace is so strong that even the promise of his work can elicit joy. And one of the greatest sources of joy is seeing God's redeeming work in others. But the world does not encourage true joy in God. Instead, we're taught to value the three Ps, possessions, power, and position. And here's when it becomes important to remember that there's a difference between happiness and joy. Because on the surface, they seem quite similar. They both make you feel good, and they're both quite uplifting. But there are more differences than similarities. Happiness is a self-focused emotion tied directly to getting what we want, It is temporary at best because it's subjective to our circumstances and to our moods. And happiness quickly leaves us when we fail to attain our goals or we become bored with our prizes. Um, How familiar is it to hear people saying, I just want a slightly bigger house or the latest phone or just a little bit more money and then I will be happy. But in most of these instances, there is always a gap, there is always a hole. For when when people achieve the things that they say will make them happy, they always end up unsatisfied because there's always going to be a new model of a phone, there's always going to be a bigger house, there's always going to be someone with even more money. So it's very unsatisfying and unfulfilling because people bank their happiness on worldly possessions. And the contrast to that is joy, which is a spiritual result of our focus on God. It's tied to our salvation, which is us being saved, and our walk with Christ. Joy is eternally based and can be ours even in the hardest of times, because joy is from God, and therefore it can never be stolen from us. And this is why joy remains a particular characteristic of Christians in poverty. Um, Joy is given through the Holy Spirit the moment we accept Christ as our saviour. It is a permanent gift from God, but it is also a fruit of the Spirit, so we must take responsibility for nurturing it and protecting it on a daily basis. I believe joy is when we celebrate the Holy Spirit and life in God, 
An absence of this is shielding yourself from the truth that as Christians we win. Um, and when God saved us, he saved us completely and eternally. And so Jesus said in John 10:28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish for no one can snatch them out of my hand. And I thought this picture really encompassed that. Another Bible verse that's really helpful is Romans 8, verse 18, that says the pain you've been feeling can't compare to the joy that's coming. And um, this is a very personal verse for me because it has helped me through some difficult times. Um, I talked a bit earlier about people saying, I just want this and then I'll be happy, or I just need that and that's all I want and then I'll be happy. And um, personally for me, I used to kind of bank my happiness on this ambition that I used to have to become a model. Um, when I was... Don't laugh. <laughs> um, when it kind of stems from my insecurities and stuff that some people had said to me in my life, and I kind of always wished to become a model. And instead of um, giving these insecurities to God, letting, you know, letting him take control... I completely messed up my priorities and God wasn't at the forefront of my life anymore. I was, you know, I really wanted this ambition, which was a very selfish, egotistical thing because, and I was basically, I was um, really focused on the three P's of possession, power and um, position. And I did once get asked to do some modelling, but I um, actually turned it down because, uh, I know it sounds crazy because, you know, I said it's what I really wanted, but... um, I did, <laughs> but um, it I oh no, I messed up my thing. But I found that it made that on my journey to, to to that, I'd become more and more insecure because God wasn't at the forefront of my life anymore, and I thought something that I thought would make me happy had ended up making me unsatisfied, unfulfilled. There was this gap in my life because I wasn't following what God wanted me to do. Um, and so the contrast to this is the joy. And you may have heard the acronyms for J-O-W, representing how to nurture joy through our priorities, Jesus, others, and then yourself. Um, And this is so important in a world where it is so encouraged to think about yourself, what you want, and what is best for your life. And there's also a twist on this which you can consider. J stands for Jesus, Y stands for you, but O stands for zero. Because when absolutely nothing comes between Jesus and you, you will find joy. And at the centre of our joy is our relationship with God. Um, So anything that stands between us and our Saviour will weaken our joy. One of the greatest threats to our joy is disobedience to God's word. And when we live in disobedience, we become a fruitless and joyless Christian. Jesus warns against this, saying in John 15 verses 4 to 5, No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We also face pitfalls to joy through people and circumstances in our lives. We may encounter malicious people who resent our beliefs. We may lose our jobs, our best friends, our homes. And happiness may be out of reach, but joy is readily available if we know how to nurture it. Um, Paul, one of Jesus' disciples, is a really powerful example of having joy through Christ. He was no stranger to experiencing hardships. When he was spreading the word of Christ in the early church, he endured harsh criticism, prison, and very near-death situations. He was not always happy, but he had found the secret to maintaining his joy. 
um, because he remained focused on Christ instead of his circumstances. And rather than resenting his obstacles, Paul wrote this in Philippians. But what does it matter? The important thing is that Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Joy does not mean that we will not experience pain or sadness or frustration when everything seems to go wrong, because believe me, we will. But unlike happiness, we can find joy in the midst of our suffering. And when Christ is at the centre of our lives, when his glory is our goal, when we refuse to be intimidated by life's obstacles, and when we live totally for Christ in obedience, we will find a joy that will carry us through the darkest of valleys. And true joy comes from Jesus. So maybe it's time you stop trying to catch the most Pokemon, or earning the most money, or having the best job, and instead find a joy that is everlasting. This true joy comes from nurturing the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you believe in Jesus, you really are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's that simple. And so I'm going to leave you with this verse from Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And I just want you to hold on to this, because I find great joy in this verse, because it's joy in the promise of eternal life. Thank you very much. Hello. Um, So my fruit of the spirit is self-control. So before I start, I have a video I'd like you to watch. Okay. Um, So yes, self-control. The fruit of the spirit is the change in our character that comes about because of the Holy Spirit's work in us. You don't become a Christian by yourself, and we cannot grow by ourselves either. Self-control isn't a flashy concept, um, and it's not especially attractive idea either. Uh, it doesn't turn heads, and it doesn't grab headlines. It can be as small as saying no to another Oreo chip or milkshake, or another half an hour on Netflix or Facebook. Or it can feel as significant as not drinking or refraining from sex. It's a really important Christian value, and to exercise self-control is sim- quite simply one of the most difficult things you can learn to do. Self-control is simply the ability to control yourself. It involves things like moderation, pressure, um, and the ability to say no. But for Christians, self-control is even more than this. It is to resist the temptation to go back to the way of the world around us. Once we've been shown God's spiritual way of life, it is demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit instead of committing the works of the flesh. Self-control is about resisting the temptation to break what God would like us to do um, and his teachings and reacting to others, demonstrating the fruits of the Holy Spirit um, in our thoughts and uh, actions. Uh, It's so easy to convince ourselves that you're right and that what we're doing uh, is for a good reason. Um, It's hard to have tough love with yourself, hence why we don't have to exercise self-control entirely by ourselves. In general, we don't really want to reduce the pleasure we have in life, do we? Um, Christians are allowed to have fun too, right? Rather than telling ourselves to slow down, it's so easy to head into life's curves. Sometimes we can be the girl in the video who eats the marshmallow before the ladies even said go. Um, How often have you chosen uh, short-term enjoyment over waiting, only to regret it later on? Often we put off making decisions, 
because we have too high expectations or we can't face what may um, come of it or fear making the wrong choice. Instead of exercising self-control, we give in to the fear because often self-control involves taking risks. Um, the Christian way of self-control is not just to say no. Um, the problem is with the word just. You don't just say no. There's an element of trust for us um, when exercising self-control. You say no in a certain way. You say no by having faith in God and trusting that the risks that you're going to take will bring around the best consequences. And it's just as ruthless as just saying no. Self-control is included in everything. And to some degree, all of the other fruits of the Spirit require self-control. It takes self-control to show true godly love instead of lust. It takes self-control to get along with others and make peace instead of constantly getting into conflict. It takes self-control to patiently bear with others then quickly criticise them. In Proverbs, it says that a person without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. In other words, lack of self-control leaves you extremely vulnerable and helpless. We need self-control because the outside world does make us very vulnerable. And like a vulnerable city, we have to have defences. A wall around an ancient city was designed to keep out the enemy. Judges at the gate would determine who should be allowed in and who would remain outside. In our lives, these defences may include meeting with other people and talking about the life-given word of God. We don't show self-control if we continue to mess with those things that help us sin. One of the proofs of God's, God working in our lives is the ability to control our own thoughts, and words and actions. The Bible calls lack of self-control a slave to sin. And one definition of sin is filling a legitimate need um, through illegitimate means. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we aren't capable of knowing how best to meet our needs. So we look through uh, Jesus' experiences and actions as a human being, and then we try to model our lives around, um, after him. Jesus' time as a human being pretty much defines self-control. In order to pay the penalty for our sins, Jesus had to live a sinless life. This required constant self-control with the help of God. Even with the obvious temptation by the devil, Jesus Christ remained in control. As with all of the fruits of the Spirit, Jesus is the only perfect example that we should follow in demonstrating self-control. Without his self-control, we would all still be paying for our sins today. It doesn't matter what kind of problem we have in our lives, we need self-control. We have to discipline our mind, our mouths, our feelings and our actions so they are in agreement with God. If you need self-control in any area of your life, don't put it off until another time. Now is the time to start dealing with it. Make decisions to do what you know is right and that will allow the fruit of the self-control um, self to grow stronger in your lives. As you become all progress as a Christian, it is important to understand that self-control is a work of the Holy Spirit, not a work of the individual. We aren't controlled by sin, we're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice of dying for us, we're free. Because, um, and on top of the list of things that we're free from, um, sin is one of those. Romans 6, 67 says that our old self was crucified with him, so, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And what this means is that the Spirit gives us self-control and we're able to refuse sin.
Not only does self-control mean saying no to yourself, it also means doing what has to be done. There's lots of talk about procrastination, but procrastination is usually a problem with self-control. We're afraid of the work required or the possible results. We put off saying what needs to be said because we fear the other's, other person's response. If we want results, we often have to do what we would rather not do. So we ask, who is controlling me? Self-control is not just when we control ourselves, but when the Holy Spirit helps us to control that. What we can do is try not to allow our thoughts and behaviours and desire, desires to interfere with the Spirit. Self-control comes down to surrendering ourselves to Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to completely control us. Natu naturally, self-control leads to perseverance. We begin to value the long-term good rather than the instant short things in life. Self-control is a gift that is supposed to free us, and it does. It frees us to enjoy the benefits of things like having a healthy body, and it frees us from a guilty conscience. Self-control restricts all of the foolish desires we have, and we find the freedom to love and live like we were supposed to. So how do we apply self-control in our lives? How do we gain it? The first thing is to start to work on having a really good knowledge of what God wants. This way, we can know what goals we should work towards. And often, God will give us the plan to achieve the goals through his word as well. So we need to be heavily in scripture, in, um, into scripture. Or in other words, we actually need to open our Bibles once in a while and re um, reflect on what God wants us to do. The second part is praying way more than we do now, or start praying in general. Uh, prayer is the giving part of our relationships with God. Yes, we talk to him during prayer, but we also just spend time with him and let him speak to us personally through the Holy Spirit. The more we pray, study, meditate and fast to draw closer to God, the more we will have the control um, to demonstrate the fruits of the Holy Spirit. These two things will bring us into a closer relationship with God and we will get more used to the Holy Spirit within us and how it works. And by getting used to the Holy Spirit and how that works, we can start to exercise self-control. So coming back to the video, um, we should aim to be the boy who started and finished in the video. He was clearly becoming so frustrated and finding it difficult to not eat the marshmallow, um, but he resisted his urges and showed self-control. Um, and persevered. He also trusted the lady. He had no way of telling whether that lady would actually reward him at the end. Um, so he had to trust her, and he did. And at the end of it, he was rewarded with something a lot better in his eyes, two marshmallows. And by exercising self-control and trusting in God, we can persevere and exercise self-control with a greater reward waiting for us at the end of that. Thank you.